I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Liz Clayman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 12th, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. In some countries around the world, the true extent of the COVID-19 outbreak is well known. In others, like Egypt, it's hard to tell just how bad things are getting. Many, many, many people are getting sick. Uh, The virus is spreading. And why this is so worrying in a place like Egypt is because the healthcare system, the medical system, is really, really struggling to deal with this virus. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. A free press and a transparent government play an important role in getting information out about coronavirus. As the outbreak gets worse in some regions, so does the flow of important information. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Amy Hawthorne, the deputy director for research at the Project on Middle East Democracy, starting first in Mexico that reported nearly 5,000 new cases of coronavirus in a single day this week. The country has seen more than 120,000 positive cases. Mexico City will launch a new testing initiative, the mayor announced, aimed at screening 100,000 people by July. Nearly 15,000 people have died in Mexico as a result of COVID-19, as many hospitals are strained to provide care. Now to South Africa, that surpassed 50,000 positive cases of COVID-19 this week. Some South African schools have reopened with restrictions, despite continued new cases. The entire continent of Africa has surpassed 200,000 positive cases, with the highest rate of infection taking place in Egypt. Egypt is reporting around 40,000 total positive cases, though experts say the reality is much worse. The World Health Organization warned this week about a second spike in Egyptian cases, along with other countries. So what do we know about the COVID-19 outbreak in Egypt, and how does it compare to other parts of the Middle East? I'd mention a couple of places that I think are worth looking at. This is Amy Hawthorne, the Deputy Director for Research at the Project on Middle East Democracy. She joins us today from Washington, D.C. First, I would note that the only two democracies in the Middle East, which are Israel and Tunisia, have actually done relatively well during the pandemic. Their governments have done a pretty good job at handling the outbreak of the coronavirus. Uh, Israel has seen a little bit of a, of a resurgence um, after reopening, uh, but their health officials and their government officials seem to be uh, on top of the situation. And Tunisia, which is a, a relatively new democracy after the 2011 Arab Spring, I think is on its seventh straight day of no new infections, and the country is now uh, moving to a full reopening. So that's something interesting for your for your listeners that I would note, is the two countries in the region that, that have democratic systems of government have done fairly well, actually quite well. At the other end of the spectrum, I would also call attention to a place like Egypt, which is the most populous country in the Arab world with about 100 million citizens. Egypt is really, really struggling. They are actually seeing, rather than a decrease of reported infections, a surge. And according to the latest news that I read from today from Cairo, the government doesn't think the surge is going to end anytime soon, um, maybe not until mid to late July. So they're seeing an increase in infections. Egypt did not have a full lockdown. They had a sort of uh, partial lockdown that was very poorly enforced. 
and they're just seeing uh, many, many, many problems. And I'm hearing from colleagues and friends in Egypt that the number of infections and, uh, and deaths may be far higher than what the official government media is reporting. So a really tough situation in Egypt. I wanted to ask you more about Egypt. It was actually your tweet that really reminded me we weren't hearing much out of Cairo about this pandemic. I've been there a number of times and understand the setup. It's a lot of people, as you noted, that are living in a very dense urban environment. How does this type of environment play into the spread of coronavirus? And then also, what's your sense on actually how bad things are in terms of the spread of COVID-19? Those are great questions. First, in terms of the the density of Egypt. Uh, I mentioned 100 million uh, people, 100 million population. Most of those people are living on a very small amount of land because uh, the vast majority of Egypt is desert and not easily inhabitable. So what you have in many parts of Egypt, Cairo, Alexandria, uh, Port Said, other cities, uh, particularly Cairo, the capital, that are just very, very crowded and very densely populated. And uh, Egyptians uh, live in very close quarters, uh, as, as do uh, people in, in large cities everywhere, everywhere around the world. Uh, but they also tend to live uh, in, you know, they have large families and many families are living together. Lots of people in um, small apartments and, and many generations uh, living together um, in one home. And so that. According to what I've read, that sort of uh, the density of living and the fact that so many generations live together under one roof, combined with the not full lockdown and the really kind of, I would say, haphazard uh, measures that the Egyptian government has taken in response to the pandemic, have just led to uh, a spread that has been uh, very difficult to control. So the density of how people live, the fact that there are uh, large families living together, tight living quarters, apparently has contributed to this virus getting worse. And I say apparently because there really is a lack of independent, uh, credible news reporting about what is going on in Egypt with the virus. In fact, uh, Egyptians and foreign reporters who have tried to or have reported on or written about or tweeted about what they're hearing about how bad the virus is have been um, either uh, either arrested or in some cases uh, deported from the country. So there is sort of a lack of information about how bad things are in response to your second question. Uh, anecdotally, what I'm hearing from friends and colleagues in Cairo is that many, many, many people are getting sick, uh, the virus is spreading, and why this is so worrying in a place like Egypt is because the healthcare system, the medical system, uh, the public healthcare system, which is what uh, is available to the vast majority of Egyptians, is really, really struggling to deal with this virus. There are uh, inadequate facilities, there's lack of PPE for healthcare workers, there are many, many doctors and nurses who have become infected. And, and died, uh, there aren't enough facilities, beds to actually treat COVID-19 patients. So what I'm hearing 
um, trends in Egypt is that a lot of people are just staying at home and dying at home, and they're never going to the doctor. They're never going to the hospital because there isn't enough room. There's a very limited testing regime. So you put all those factors together, and it's quite a concerning situation in Egypt. You've been listening to Amy Hawthorne, the Deputy Director for Research at the Project on Middle East Democracy. We'll be right back. You bring up an interesting point about the flow of information during a pandemic like coronavirus. What's your take on the role that the government of Abdel Fattah el-Sisi is playing in clamping down on the information that's coming out of Egypt? And then additionally, I know you've written about press freedom in the MENA region. Where does Egypt stand on its ability to allow a press to operate freely? And how are these playing into the flow of information or lack of that we're seeing during this pandemic? Yeah, the the information system in Egypt under President Abdel Fattah Hassisi, who's been in power uh, for uh, several years now, is very bad. It's worse than it was under the dictator Hosni Mubarak. And that's because Sisi is presiding over a military-backed regime that really doesn't support the idea of diversity, debate, media pluralism, like we are uh, fortunate to enjoy here in the United States. President Sisi really sees media as doing one thing, which is getting out his message and reinforcing the narrative that the regime wants to put out there. And the narrative that Sisi's regime has wanted to put out about the pandemic, about the coronavirus pandemic from the beginning has been, first, we don't have a problem. <laughs> we, we will never, this, this virus will never reach Egypt. Uh, then uh, everything is under control. We've got it under control. And now their message is basically to citizens, you know, you're on your own. Uh, really, you're responsible for your own health. And if this virus is spreading, it's really the fault of citizens who aren't following the measures that the government has recommended. So there has been an uproar from the Egyptian medical community about the conditions of the very, very dangerous conditions in Egyptian hospitals and uh, the very uh, difficult circumstances that medical workers are facing during this crisis. Some of those people who have spoken out have, have been punished by the government. So Sisi doesn't really brook much, if any, criticism, and he really doesn't, uh, it seems to me, want to level with the citizens of Egypt about how bad the situation is and how much worse it can get. The situation of media freedom in Egypt uh, in general is really dismal. Uh, Every day, almost every day, we hear reports of journalists, bloggers, uh, people writing tweets, being arrested uh, for speaking out. There's been a rash recently of uh, young Egyptians who have appeared, uh, you know, put out TikTok videos uh, that are actually haven't even really been criticizing the government. They've just kind of been satirical. They have been arrested. Uh, it is it is an, uh, an environment in which there is almost no freedom to speak out, debate, and criticize uh, the government's uh, policies, really on anything, not just the virus, but the economy, foreign policy, what have you. So it's it's a it's very very dark days for for journalists and uh, and the media in Egypt. You've been an appointee at the State Department. You have extensive policy knowledge about what lawmakers on Capitol Hill and also the executive branch do when it comes to not only the spread of disease, but conflict unrest 
and development in the Middle East. In your opinion, where do you think the U.S. needs to be focused right now in terms of ensuring that U.S. allies in the region are not allowing this pandemic to completely overwhelm their countries? And are you concerned that the coronavirus spread could lead to potential security situations that would involve the United States? And I'm looking specifically in the Gulf, also looking at the MENA region uh, focused on North Africa. When you're looking at Egypt, even here in Israel and other locations, I imagine the question of how security is playing into all of this is something at the minds of many at state and and other U.S. agencies. Absolutely. What the coronavirus pandemic is is doing in the Middle East and North Africa is it is exacerbating. It's making worse all of the existing problems. So conflicts, wars, uh, you know, deterioration of of government institutions, um, deterioration of of health systems, um, living standards, people's welfare. It's making all of those problems even worse. Uh, there's some indication that certain conflicts in the Middle East are intensifying, such as in Libya, during the virus, uh, rather than uh, causing people to uh, bring a halt to the fighting. Uh, the one thing that's really stood out for me in looking at the effect of the virus uh, on the Middle East and North Africa so far for, for the Arab countries is really that these are countries, uh, for the most part, that spend you know billions and billions and billions of dollars on weapons purchases, on arms, on their militaries, on their security establishments. And uh, yet their citizens are, in many countries, really most at risk from this virus, from this public health crisis, that these governments, many of these Arab governments, not all, of course, but many seem very ill-equipped to respond to. So this virus has really exposed the extent to which the spending priorities, the policy priorities of Arab regimes, uh, in many cases, have been really lopsided toward uh, military toward armaments and really an underinvestment in in public health systems, which are now really straining or nearly breaking in many countries uh, due to the pandemic. So when U.S. policymakers and U.S. officials, whether they're in the executive branch or up on the Hill, and they're looking to this region, I think there's a lot of reason to be concerned that the combination of this public health crisis the economic crisis that is hitting the Middle East very hard, and these ongoing conflicts that really haven't been resolved, that the region itself has been unable to resolve. Syria, Yemen, Libya, the crisis with Iran and uh, Israel-Palestinian conflict, what have you. All of these things are being made much, much, much worse by the pandemic. And so I think when U.S. officials look to the region, they should be very concerned. But they also, I think there's a sense of, you know, what can we really do? (laughs) This region is so full of problems and, you know, we just kind of want to turn our backs on it. We're exhausted. We have a lot of problems here at home in the United States to deal with. And I guess what what I always think about and what I say in my conversations with policymakers is that uh, for better or for worse, the Middle East 
the problems that 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 brew there and that rise up there usually don't stay in the region. They usually spread outwards and oftentimes do affect uh, European national security and U.S. national security. So as much as people might want to kind of look away from what's going on in the region because it seems so intractable, I think that that is something that the United States, unfortunately, really cannot afford to do at this time. Really, really interesting points about the priorities that governments in the region have when it comes to balancing security and and public health. Amy Hawthorne, the Deputy Director for Research at the Project on Middle East Democracy. Amy, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.